0: Hey everyone, this is Jesse,
1: George, and Robert,
0: and this is Bitbytes, an analytical discussion about gaming. Thanks for joining us. We should probably introduce ourselves.
2: We should. I'm George. I've been playing games since a wee child. I started off with the Super Nintendo at my grandparents, and... Fell in love with gaming. Fell in love with like the stories that you're able to embody, and the things that you're able to do in gaming in general. Um, right now, I am actually not p- currently playing anything in particular. So if anybody has a suggestion about what to,
0: oh, you know, I have suggestions. <laughs> Get yourself that pl- PS4, and then we'll talk. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm Jesse uh certified nintendo fangirl over here but i think we're all probably nintendo fan people you're here we'll get to that (laughs) but uh yeah no i i'm probably the latest to the video game world uh my parents did a pretty good job of keeping that away from me for a while uh so
1: you're not bitter about it it's just a fact about it
0: um but you know i think that'll definitely affect my perspective um once i did get into it into video games. My parents were pretty strict on Nintendo because, you know, kid-friendly and all that. But uh, yeah, I, I would agree with George that the games that attract me are ones that have a, a really good, compelling story, interesting characters. Um, it has to be a good balance of story and gameplay for me, not just good gameplay. And I am currently uh, he's playing on my Switch, uh, and I have a PS4, it's previously discussed, and my trusty 3DS, still still rocking.
1: Um, the name I was given at birth is Robert. I too am a Nintendo fanboy, was born and raised on it. Uh, Super Nintendo, lots of original Game Boy, things have come a long way, and my Switch is like a dream come true in every single way. It's like the ultimate Nintendo growing up in the 90s realization of my dreams. So I play the crap out of that and love it. Um, I have an embarrassingly large library on my Switch, um, which Jesse pointed out is mostly made up of indies. So you guys need emotions and characters and feelings to enjoy your games. I am partly a machine, so I don't need it. And I just play a bunch of indies and get lost in like mechanics and... Um, I'm a huge like I love deep RPGs so it's either like surface level indies or a deep dive into the world of Bethesda's made or some some variation of that mm.
0: so. Well I think that's a great transition Robert into our first topic today which George has uh, was first to volunteer very <laughs> excited good, about this I
2: think it's a good uh, way for us to kind of just break the ice and kind of let people know our thoughts about the gaming world today because it branches off not only in just the gaming industry but all other kind of facets of media and entertainment.
0: Uh, disclaimer too, all of us are, I think we categorize ourselves as part of the media uh, industry. Yeah, Yeah. like to make yeah. videos for a living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll probably uh, influence some of our discussions. Uh, yeah, so formal topic for this podcast uh, is basically how the game inter- industry has evolved into a wide spectrum, with AAA's on one side and indies on the other.
1: I think we start with game development and just talk about it a little bit generally, so kind of have a little bit of context. Let's let's go down our list. Okay. So I'll, I'll kick it to you guys. I want to hear what you think. So, um, starting with just talking about. G- game development as a process. Um, You have to have money to make games and to varying degrees you, oh yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I hear that's a thing. I don't know because I haven't done it. Mm. Actually I have, which we should talk about later. I have a little bit of experience with this on a zero dollar budget, yeah. Slightly embarrassing story, but I will share it because everyone loves to laugh at other people's failures. Um, (laughs) So you need money to make games and it Varies widely depending on where you're coming from and what your hopes and dreams are. I think for most people that Really enjoy games There is a love-hate relationship with certain AAA studios and the things that they make
0: Well, like AAA, that you're talking about that love-hate relationship Hate because at the end of the day profits are gonna be you know their main goal the people at the top uh, not I mean, if a game sells, that's, that's what matters, I think. Uh, boo. But, boo, yes. But, you know, if a game, a great game is made, um, and it's a AAA, A, a lot of times you'll get a really large game, you'll get a deep game, you have these massive teams working on them. So, you know, a lot of times you can tackle a lot more than a small group that's created An in indie can. I can already
1: um. hear you talking about your favorite game of all time, <laughs> which we know is Horizon Zero Dawn. It sounds <laughs> like you're there. alluding to it. It's
0: up there. Uh, no, if you know me, nothing can beat Zelda. But uh, yeah, no, that, and we'll get into that one. But yeah, I would consider that that's a AAA game. Um, but that one sort of, you know, we'll, we'll go into it later, but it has an interesting development history. Um, that makes it stand out from the rest, yeah. but I think what what are the games people immediately go to? And I think A, right? They think your Call of Duties and uh, your Halos and your Help me out here, guys. Assassins Creed, <laughs> your Assassins Creeds, and <laughs> Gears
3: well, of and war I also think
1: and... yes, Gears of War, yeah, and then pretty much anything these days that Bethesda puts out, yeah, um, which is. <laughs> That's definitely love. I'm
0: sure everyone can think of a game in those series that you absolutely love or you absolutely hate. And I think it comes down Mm -hmm. to, you know, at once what a game was, you know, a piece of love, like, you know, love letter. And, you know, it it turned into a cash cow. So uh, and that's not to say they can't still be good games, but there's a lot more deciding factors once You have, it's not just the game creators that are in control of it. You have to answer to um, the big wigs that want want profits. So, yeah.
1: The shareholders want low risk. Hmm. They want their money investments to make them money, Hmm. which is like all of this taking place on a backdrop generally of the way that our economy works and all of that. We won't get into it. But it is, you know, it does kind of set the tone for the reality of a lot of this stuff. So even when things turn out so wonderfully well, like a Breath of the Wild, you mentioned Zelda, Mm -hmm. which is like one of the longest standing, most awesome, consistently. And
2: groundbreaking for the series.
1: Yeah, but it comes out of Nintendo, I don't know this for sure, I can't say this. But what I would assume, yeah, disclaimer, I have to to research this later, but I'll say it as a definite statement so I can put it in and put a, a citation to it. The Breath of the Wild budget, for all intents and purposes, I keep saying this, probably infinite on some level, mm. like there's a cap on it, but like, you know, relative to anybody else making any game, it's like, oh, we're making a new main series Zelda game. We're gonna do what it takes to make it awesome, because it's a combination of like, there's the love there, there's the history there, mm-hmm. and they have the resources. So that's kind of like a, in my opinion, that's a, um, a setup for success?
0: They have a history too of giving them the time they need um, to like experiment and. Um,
1: but that isn't always the case. That isn't
0: always the case. And like one of those examples I brought up earlier Call of Duty, um, I have a friend that works at one of the development studios, but they have three of them. They have three studios. What's their name? Hmm? What's this person's <laughs> first and <laughs> last name? No. <laughs> oh, get in trouble. Um, <laughs> but no, it's uh it, you you have three studios working constantly to spit out the next game on such a quick um timetable and uh you would think oh you know they each get more time to do these like no mm-hmm. if you want to spit one out one it one every year every other year you know it, it, it's it's crazy compared to Nintendo where like i expect my 5 year wait for the next Zelda game mm-hmm. so yeah
1: so what's the what's the feeling on that like how does the way that the call of duty franchise has evolved in the way that they develop games versus zelda like is it universally just a bad thing like anything that has call of duty on the name of it is automatically bad because they crunch time and they you know make people work like horses it's a reference to a movie that recently came out (laughs) <laughs> or is it, I don't know. I mean, I I would, f- I've kind of feel like there are some potentially some negative aspects to the way that Nintendo goes about things.
2: I, I mean, I think it's like with anything is like you're going to have, you know, with AAA games is like, I imagine that it's not all bad. <laughs> the fact that you get to work with like, basically like a world-class team, a large world-class team. Um. And your resources are, for lack of a better word, you know, depending on the project, are large. Um, and you already have like an established uh, uh, community of people that play your games, that love your games, despite what people that don't love the games say.
0: Even people that don't love the games are still gonna probably go out and buy, like yeah, <laughs> they still go buy and support the series, so. right? Yeah, in hopes that oh, this will be a good one. Right. Yeah
2: And I think that's like That's the interesting thing that we're kind of like wanting to You know shed light on is like these industries of you have these triple-a games of people that because there's a lot of time and money and resources and there's people that you have to answer to um sometimes it becomes a thing of that we see in gaming that seems a little probably more pre- prevalent in today's era than maybe you know 20 years ago where you know there's less risks and stuff like that that are generally taken in larger games and those risks are left for like indie games and smaller kind of independent studios that have the freedom because it's kind of their own Thing and they don't have to really answer to anybody, but themselves. Um, I'm curious to think, you know, what y'all think on.
0: I think this the, is where there's like a good distinction between like most AAA's and Nintendo. Like I feel like Nintendo's that black sheep mm-hmm. of the AAA game industry because uh, I was actually reading an article recently and that was discussing how. They almost treat, like, new people that come onto the team. Well, one, people stay on the team uh, for, like, this is a career. Like, they don't hop around. It's like, once you're in it, you're in it. And they they treat those that are greener, like, almost like in an apprenticeship type role. Um, So you have that experienced veteran teaching the new generation and then letting them um, try their own things and experiment with their own ideas. And I think that's a really great way to develop new, new talent Um, and then keep it in-house too. So once you develop that new talent, just, they're staying with Nintendo. Um, I don't know how, if this is also a culture difference or if it's specific to the company, but um, yeah, I I think that there's a big difference um, between Eastern and Western video game practices.
1: So George was preaching to the choir about um, innovation springing out of indies, which it sounds like Nintendo does that on purpose. They cultivate that and they keep people around on purpose because they see that in people, they get them in, they train them, they want them to stay, and then they encourage that on some level with, because it comes out in their product. Like even not knowing necessarily that that's something that they do intentionally, you see it in their games and it's like, Nintendo Labo, what is happening there? It's like, is that a real, oh, that's not a joke. That's a real thing. But I love it because they are the exception. They're the AAA exception where they are obsessed with innovation and they make a point to do it. Even if they fail, it's like, they're still gonna continue to be the, you know, the company that does that. And I think that's a huge attraction for me Mm -hmm. um, because I value Unique and new and original experiences.
0: Yeah, when they do fail, they just they keep going. They don't mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it's all a loss. Let's just let's just sell our IPs and oh, <laughs> no need to make more consoles. Um, mm. Exactly, and I think even like you you brought up Nintendo Labo is like a completely you know new creative game outlet, but like even within their uh, longstanding franchises like Mario and Zelda. Like, they're always, I mean, I don't know, this is a joke amongst the game community a lot, but like, oh, what's the new gimmick? And I don't, sure if you want to call it a gimmick, but they're always trying to find some new way to incorporate either their hardware or a new way to play in each game. They're like, okay, we have the same loose formula for Mario. We have the same loose formula for Zelda. What new interesting aspect of the gameplay um, can we make? And I think that's good and it keeps it, that's why these franchises keep running where Maybe a lot of Western uh, long, fran- like your Call of Duty franchise, your Assassin's Creed, they sort of got stuck in their formula and didn't really change things up enough. Um,
2: I think that's like a good example of like with Nintendo, their um, main IPs is like if you think of Mario. Mario has been a racing game. Mario's been like a 3D platformer game. Mario's been an RPG game. Mario has been a puzzle game. It's like Call of Duty is a shooter and probably will only be a shooter um, unless something unbelievable happens um, down the road. But I think that's like really cool that um, it's not locked into one genre of gaming um, I Like for me, I think that would be something that would be really cool to explore with other IPs that are out there. Like what if there was like a Assassin's Creed racing game? <laughs>
1: oh, <wow>. Hell yeah! <laughs> wow. It's just like every lap you go around, it like takes you into a completely different era. Am it's my... like, this doesn't make any sense. It's exactly like Assassin's We're Creed. We're on
0: chariots now, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they'd sort sure of tried to do that with their uh, their London one, with their horse and buggy. Oh, my yeah, <laughs> <right>. God. It's <laughs> <That's> already happening. <laughs> that you could hop on it and drive it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, my brain just fried a little bit at that. No, like when you mentioned like Call of Duty is always a shooter, I'm like, yeah, what else would it be? Like that's immediately where mm-hmm. my brain went. But then you're talking about, yeah, like Mario has been a lot of different things. But, yeah, I don't know
1: where I'm going with that. I think, so I think that. In this conversation, there is a tendency to have a little bit of an attitude of being jaded potentially mm-hmm. about these like Assassin's Creed CODs where they just, oh, that works. Let's just put a different skin on it and release it every two months. Um, two months? It's an exaggeration, <laughs> but it's also true. Um, but I, I have to remind myself that I still have access to the games that started these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The games that were kind of the at one point in history, even if it was before we were born. Yes, I am a millennial. (laughs) Um, When those games released, they were incredibly groundbreaking and we still have access to those. And I Mm -hmm. think that's really awesome to kind of revisit history in that. So a great example. Would be Doom. Yes, I love Doom. Doom is the best. I will play every Doom game that has ever released and love every second of it because who can hate that beautiful setting? Oh, so
2: good. It's extremely well polished. It's like a very, very tight game. The
1: newest one. Is that true? Yeah. But so in uh, video game history, the original game, when it was released, it was this kind of other side of the coin that we're talking about with the Indie Studio. So very small group, it's software. You guys know this, so I won't give you a long history lesson, but there was a single person that came up with the engine design and then implemented that design. It didn't really have much of a team. It was like, you know, build the access, get the game out. And it it granted it was kind of in some ways building off of Wolfenstein 3D. But when it released, the way that they put it out was really interesting, like making it a a freeware demo type thing and leaking it on the internet and then people having to buy a passcode to unlock the full thing is like massively successful but in my mind a large part of that can be attributed to the how good the game is i mean it was just like obvious that they loved what they were doing and they took the extra time to make sure that gamers would be into it even though pc gaming at the time wasn't really a big thing so kind of like breaking a lot of ground in multiple areas, but it is, to bring it back, it's like a, you know, the mother of COD, in a way, which is Mm -hmm. really weird to think about, but it's like first-person shooters weren't hugely popular when Doom came around. It It comes on the the, scene.
2: Wasn't it the first first first-person, or 3D first-person shooter?
1: I don't think so, but I think it was one of the first ones to do the formula really well and be super popular. Um, So in a way it was kind of like a revision of something that existed, but it it kind of popularized that whole genre
2: Yeah. So we've talked a bit about you know These different you know aspects of you know how games are created, you know what it means to take risks and to make something new to kind of break the mold and like take a uh kind of a step out and f- uh step up, step of faith if you will um i think what's like maybe we can kind of shift now to
0: actually one more point cuz i'm probably going to be the defender of triple a's on this podcast a lot or really i just want to play um you know give them their credit where credit is due um what a lot of A start, or, you know, they have one good, successful game, and it does really well. A franchise is created, right? Little baby, little baby franchise is born. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. <so, laughs> oh, no! So, you know, what happens then? They get production studios behind it, um... And it starts becoming more uh, specialized roles start getting handed out, right? So instead of having your your one creator that's doing a bunch of stuff, and a lot of times that, you know, their time is divided between that. Now you have teams, teams that are just dedicated to one thing and really making that one thing awesome. And that's, you know, your polish comes from that. Um, and just that's how you can get the quantity that you get in a AAA game. Um, but I do think there's there's a level of quality there that you're just not gonna get from a handful of people working working to the bone trying to tackle it all. Just games are made of so many different components, and mm-hmm. if you have if you have the best on your team working on that single component, uh, it's gonna stand out. And um, yeah,
2: but I will also say to that point too is it doesn't take a really large team to make a very like, high-end, well-polished game. Hellblade,
1: Hellblade. I know you want to say it. (laughs) Say it. Yes,
2: Hellblade is (laughs) a game that I've recently played that has, like, turned my world upside down um, as far as, like, where gaming is going and, like, what uh, a small team can produce. And it's, like... I want to say it's like a, it's like a team of like 12 to like 30 people that are working on this. I think it's yeah, it's around that area area and it's like one person created all of the textures for the entire game. One person created, you know, or did all of the sound and everything for the game. Um like that to me like when you play the game is like for me is like mind blowing.
0: I'm curious cuz I have not played this game. Uh, what what would your standard playtime be at the end of it?
2: It's a, it's definitely a shorter game. It's not going to be like eight to you know ten hours. It's you can probably get through it um, within four to six hours.
0: So maybe we should have brought this up earlier. But uh, I think just our preferences in games will influence this too. But when I in my head when I think oh your standard game you're going to get a minimum of twenty five thirty hours of that that that's in my definition that's what but that's just uh has been created from the types of games I play, and a lot of them are triple A's, and you're getting longer games um but yeah what what would you guys consider a minimum i mean not a minimum, but like what would the average game you play how many hours would you dedicate to it to finish it
1: so i i can see I see this in like the games that you talk about mm-hmm. um I think that's really awesome. I actually kind of want to be more like that because you're making an investment in something that's high quality. You're asking, the asking price is higher relative to some of like a lot of the millions of indie games that I have and all of that, but you're paying for a really great product and you know that it's a good investment. You can go deep into it. And I think there's a, you know, there's a reward in and of that, of itself in, in and of itself to that that kind of goes beyond a financial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, it's like a thing of where I sort of look at it as a um, opportunity cost thing. I don't do this consciously when I'm like going through a, a store and being like, oh, that's $15. I wonder how many hours I can squeeze out of that type thing. It's mm-hmm. not really like that, but you know, I'll do a little R and D trying to figure out is this game something that I'm going to even remotely like based on the genre and what's some trusted voices are saying and all that but it is this thing where like it is a lot more risky for me to even if it is like a ten dollar game i buy it and then i realize like an hour into it, i'm like wow this is a total waste of my time and money and energy um those are all th- some of those things you can't get back so um
2: well i think it's like y'all both bring up like two interesting points is like what in like your mind is considered like a triple-a game or something. That's like a $60 investment for games that is You know you're hoping to get you know 20, you know 30 hours um, of gameplay and there's uh, this thing of Before you buy a game you have all these kind of criteria that you're like passing on in your head of like, is this game good? What do other people think about this game? How many hours can I play, you know, roughly, depending on the type of game, you know, it is. And sometimes, you know, you think a game's good, but then you get it, and it ends up being, you know, not what you thought it was, or ends up being, you know, just diluted, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um and I think that's like, that's... Um, you know an interesting aspect is you know the marketplace of like where we buy games and like um, because we're shifting from this this world of like everything gets bought at a store to you know online you know um, places like uh, Steam or Amazon or um, other places places where you can, you know, uh, buy games online, you know, or they'll have their own marketplaces like Xbox has its own, you know, online store or, you know, Nintendo has its own, uh, uh marketplace. Um, and I think it's interesting too, that, um, those avenues are set up in a way that's, um, it's slightly different for each one.
1: I think I see what you're doing.
2: So let me ask you this, Jesse, what is your
1: ideal type of game? How would you describe it?
0: I want to be able to sink at least six to 80 hours in it. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You guys know this, but I'm the type where if I'm gonna buy a game, I want to dedicate weeks to it. I want to really, I want it to be a deep, long story. Lots of characters I can fall in love with or hate.
1: Xenoblade.
0: <laughs> yeah, Xenoblade. Um, <laughs> there'll be lots of discussion about that <laughs> game on this show. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I like there to be, I like it to have a deep system. Like a, a lot of games will just like, hey, we do this one thing, we do it well. Um, I like when there's there's lots of systems involved that layer on top of each other. Um, and yeah, the, the fighting has to be fun. If I ever get to a point where I'm slogging, through it, and it's just to get to the next story point. I'm not having fun in between, then what's the point? So it's a fine balance, but I I do go for those games that are gonna be upwards of 50 hours. Um, I really, I sink myself into a game when I'm playing it. I, it's hard, I, yeah, I wanna at least give a game four hours to hook me, and if it doesn't, then, you know, I'm probably not gonna play longer than that.
1: Cool. George, what's your ideal game?
2: I don't have like a a a set time. Like, if a game like hooks me and and like makes an impact on me in like an hour, then I'm gonna freaking love that game, <laughs> um, and I'll probably play it multiple times too. Um, but that's not to say that I don't like you know, games that you know do have sixty hours worth of content you know in them. I'm not someone who's so much like... I'm more of a complete the main storyline, and if there are some interesting side quests, I'll take them. I'm not so much about completing like the entire game.
0: You don't want to help the NPC find all her chickens? <laughs> no, no, not really. That's, that's
2: left to someone else who's more passionate about that than I but am. But if
0: you unlock that side quest, you can you know set her up with someone and be in the middle of a love triangle. Mm. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, because... Um, yeah, I just think it's like, it's for me, it's more about what the experience gives you versus the either replayability or the longevity of a game. I like yeah.
0: that. I would, I would have to make a point then to that. There's always, you know, uh, there's always, it's not like that's a requirement for me, but if you look at my library and you had to make like, oh, what's common with them all? It would be, wow, I, you know, my library's small, but I have dedicated quite a bit of hours to it, to each game. So, yeah.
1: So you practice what you preach.
0: Yeah, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I like it. Just
0: how it how it ends up. Hmm. What about you, Robert?
1: Um, I'm, I I kind of do this weird thing where I'm extreme poles on either side. So I have this really high value on new experience. That's just like a thing in my personality. So I'm drawn to kind of looking at newer games that are out, like even stuff that's early access. I know that's super cringy, but um, it's like, what are people thinking of that hasn't been done before? Like when Guitar Hero came out, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. It has a proprietary controller, it's a Mm -hmm. music game, and it's unlike anything else that I had experienced before. It's like, you know, we have our list of our 10 favorite games, which technically is in flux all the time, but I spent one of those precious slots on Mario Paint, which actually, in reality, is kind of a garbage game. It's very old. Even at the time, it was kind of super tedious to do anything. But I love it because it's a similar kind of thing. It's like high, uni- highly unique experience. So it has a proprietary controller. It's a mouse and keyboard on your Super Nintendo, <laughs> which is a precursor to me being a PC nerd. Little did I know. <laughs> but um, on the other end... I think I'm okay with playing something that I've played before, like your Zeldas and your Fallouts and things like this, just because they are, to varying degrees, it's kind of hard to blanket statement this, but they're for the most part, I value the same thing that you both shared sentiment about with the very high quality. On some level, you know what you're getting. It's gonna be a little bit different, um, so it's not so risky. I guess and I can put $60 down and feel good about it even though I haven't stepped into the world yet Um, because if any if I don't like parts of it I might like other parts and so there's this kind of like process of you know I love this I hate this I love this I hate this but in the end it usually pans out being a worthwhile experience because I'll learn things I'll experience things that otherwise I would have never had the experience to or even the avenue to experience so I think at some level, this is like me being a bookworm. Like, oh, I want to dive into this world and like meet all these people and stuff. But I like that. So,
2: yeah, there's definitely something to be said about, you know, world building and that, you know, the world that you're diving into, whether you actually get to experience all aspects of that world or not, is like being able to, regardless of the trajectory you go, is being able to, with the, things that you experience in that world that you get this sense of that there's a living, breathing kind of entity that's got its own ecosystems and cultures and way of life. Oh my God, now Mm -hmm. you're talking.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and we're running with the book analogy. It's like, you're gonna reach the end of the book and it's gonna be sad. You're gonna have to part with it. But hey, if I got 20 more hours of side SideQuest available to me, I'm gonna take it. Yes. (laughs)
1: so video games are, I make the analogy to books because they're fairly similar um, in certain respects, but they're generally, the experience is so wide. There's so much that goes into building games, experiencing games that kind of dips into other mediums. Increasingly ever more games are starting to look like films or they're taking film language um, but it's interesting because and vice versa. You, yeah, absolutely. The, the um,
0: movie industry isn't succeeding as well as yeah, <laughs> taken from games. But sorry.
1: No, it, um. But it, it is interesting because it's not, um, it's not something that is in my mind. There's there's a reason for that, and on some level it is actually tied to the development process and the way that the industries have developed over time and are kind of intersecting in some ways, and in other ways they continue to be very different.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say a point um, that I think is like it's something that's really cool that's happening in the world. It's like you take Guillermo del Toro, I probably butch- butchered his name.
0: Guillermo. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del yeah.
2: del Toro. Um And Hideo Kojima. Kojima. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, like they've, are, to me, are an excellent example of how those worlds are intertwining. It's like they're obviously Hideo's new game that's coming out, Death Standing. Stranded. Stranding. Stranding. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> that Death was a Stranding. test you passed.
1: <laughs>
0: Um, I'm probably the one that's least likely to play this game, by the way. And how do I know?
2: (laughs) Of
1: course you know. Mm. So hyped. I don't care, but I'm hyped. They
2: both have (laughs) tremendous respect for each other's um, industries. And I think it's really cool that they're taking this approach of kind of the same that we're seeing more and more in gaming is we're taking less of... the approaches that they're using in gaming and stuff like that are becoming more like film, is you're using real actors and real people in a skin of whatever game character you're playing as. And I think it's cool that there's this collaboration happening where um, Del Toro is bringing his experience as a filmmaker and is able to speak into creating stories that move people in a cinematic way. Um, but I've also heard, you know, him and talks to that he takes some of the approaches in his films from gaming, and this kind of like how games are able to immerse you in in these worlds, and he's kind of taken those approaches to uh, his movies.
1: It is kind of interesting that Del Toro has stepped into that world just because his history is being incredibly successful in film industry. I mean, he's kind of like a staple director name.
0: But let me, successful when I, I'm going to use this term a lot. Like, I feel like his films are very like artsy and, but they do well, mm-hmm. right? Where I think bringing it back to our conversation with A's versus Indies, when you find that balance of like, that really creative artsy indie, but it does really well um, on the level of A's, I feel like he as a director is sort of, do, is doing the same in the film industry. Hmm. So, hmm. sorry to interrupt.
1: No, but do you think that's kind of his foray into this world, it's kind of like a natural thing, just because that's where he comes from, or does he add that aspect to games that may not have as much of it like is he bringing something to the table and not just influencing by saying like oh this is a del toro game so it's going to be weird af but he's actually contributing something that maybe in some other studios and maybe in other atmospheres is lacking a little bit potentially
0: definitely i think any any new perspectives we can bring into the game industry to help make better games is a plus he's the perfect pairing with Kojima, um, because I think they're both sort of at in similar spaces in their own industries. So no. um, them coming together should certainly make an interesting game.
1: No
3: pressure.
0: No pressure,
2: guys. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I would get a PS4 because I don't have one right now just for that game.
0: And even though I'd probably be like way too chicken to actually play the game because I hate horror and... Scary things in general. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in watching one of those like cutscene movies out of that game. Like, it looks and there
2: will be lots of cutscenes,
0: yes. Um, just because I'm sure there's gonna be a great cinematic quality to it.
1: Well, we'll play it first mm-hmm. and be <laughs> traumatized, away, <laughs> and then we'll tell you, Oh, no, it's not that bad. And then you'll play it and be like, I hate you, yeah, because you have
0: a great history of doing that. To me. Thanks, guys. Um <laughs> yeah so i i hope other um game developers can see the the pros and looking outside of the box and into different different media types to (laughs) influence their own games
2: Uh, well i think that's like a good way to kind of you know see about it is like there's new technology that's coming out the access for the tools to like build games versus what it was 30 years ago is much more one they're much more intricate and much more powerful in terms of what you can do. Give me an example. Unreal Engine 4 and just like it's it's availability to pretty much anyone who wants to like jump in and like try and play games or you know that stuff or create games. Um I'm pretty sure it's free on their website. It is free up until a certain point. Right. There's like a yeah. free version and then there's like the full on you know paid version. Mm-hmm. Unreal Engine four has like everything you need to build a game.
0: Guys, just go get Nintendo Labo, make it out of cardboard. There oh you go. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: But that's like that's another great example. Yeah. Nintendo Labo um is allowing you to in a kind of a simplistic and Very easily understandable yeah. you know way build new experiences with you know the tools that they provide. Um, and I think that's you know to the point of saying that tools are readily available. anyone has access, or not anyone, but anyone who has an internet connection can access these tools. Um, and so there's this thing of like there's more s- games flooding the market. But there's this demand because more games are flooding the market that because anybody can make a game, there's more demand for greater experiences and more polished experiences.
0: I think at the end of the day, it comes down, a lot of it comes down to money, unfortunately. You know, where does the funding come from? Or if you put a lot of your time and personal money into it, like that's like indie games uh, on the front end. With that that hope, you're you're chancing it that, you know, you're gonna get profits back from that, and that's a big risk. And um, there's there's less risk with the triple A's, but where where can we be in the middle of that? Like, how can we get uh, safety for the game developers as they're making it, um, and then a good promise of profits on the other side?
2: So going off your point is like I think what an avenue that allows people that platform who want, who don't want to make or don't want, because it is a risk, you know, for doing something completely new on your own dime, so to speak, you know, with maybe two or three other people. But I think it's really cool that there are avenues and industries that are recognizing that um, because steam, like you said um, is a great place for, Games to get early access, and has the green light program that allows games to get funding and all that, and um, a an awareness out there um, for people to help. But then there's also like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and all that kind of stuff, crowdfunding for people that were at the you know top in the AAA world, um, but decided that they wanted to go in a different way, and so it would require a lot of funding and risk, and so that was their avenue for creating a a different type of game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the Greenlight Early Access and some other similar uh, funding programs, I think Jesse's question still stands of um, how do we create a space that kind of actually works though Mm -hmm. for game developers because the unfortunate reality of all the above mentioned is that it creates this really weird space that's kind of turned into a cesspool just because it is kind of bridging a gap or kind of like game sharking you into not really having to necessarily deal with publishing. Um, you can have a half-baked product, put it out there, get people hyped about a concept, and then not deliver on it, which is all <laughs> too often the case. Oh, man, it's great. <laughs> Oh, God, no. <laughs> I even played the newest patch of it, and I was like, oh,
0: it's the same.
1: Um,
0: yeah, how, how, how can we get there? Clean up the cesspool. Um, I know we were talking earlier about, like, how are they doing this in television now, with all these streaming sites and I'll, like, what your Netflix and your Hulu? They'll invest up front in a concept, and they'll they'll put that investment come to them with an idea of the concept. And instead of doing the horrible pilot program, oh, like if you don't get the numbers in your pilot, then you know the show's shot. But instead, they're like, okay, you have this many episodes, you have the money to do it, and I think there's a higher chance of success that way. In, in my experience. So is there some way, I, I've seen examples of that done in the game industry too. Well, uh, for example, those who have played Journey, if you know anything about That Game companies literally their name is That Game Company's uh, history. Brilliant, uh, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, they were basically a small group recruited out of, out of college. I think that was their, their thesis, um, not Journey, it was a game I think that eventually turned into Flow um, but they saw something new. Sony saw something new in that, and they're like, they invested in that. So they had a three-game deal, um, which then was followed up by Flower and then Journey. And I think anyone who's played Journey will, would call it um, the, a masterpiece. Uh, it, it's what maybe two to four hours you could uh, invest in that game, but it's I would call it a piece of art, and. I think a lot of that has to do with, well, one, the small group, but they were invested in early by a AAA game uh, corporation. So,
1: I love that example because it does kind of meet in the middle mm-hmm. where I think there's a lot of value in having some level of obstacle to realizing your idea because it's for you to get past all those obstacles. It's withstanding this process of, you know, ensuring that it is a worthwhile exercise. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great me- medium where um, there's kind of like a weird thing going on right now generally. Like I would say that's almost an anomaly mm-hmm. as far as I know, because the typical is, you know, be Nintendo or you're not going to have any way to mobilize your idea or you're going to be on green light and your half-baked crap idea is going to turn into something that you can actually make money off of but because the obstacles were lowered way too far down and so there's not really a wall that's kind of for lack of a better word doing some level of gatekeeping to ensure that the quality there on some level and i don't know who's job that is, but it seems like it's going to the Sonys and to the major corporations to kind of vet those.
0: Yeah, you need, I I think it comes down to funding. They need the space, the time, the money to fully execute an idea. And I think a lot of the ones that don't have polish is because they're just, they're just trying to get it done. They're trying to get the skeleton Mm -hmm. done. And so a lot of times, you know, they don't, they don't get all the extra makeup put on it that they should have. So um and let's say they do get that extra layer of polish on it's great it's a hit this indie and a lot of times uh they're bought up by the Drupal-A industry <laughs> um and it either becomes bigger or sometimes they wither and die underneath that umbrella unfortunately but yeah i, I want to see that middle ground
2: so would you think that that's like more of a like a service or an entity that's like net, the Netflix for movies and all that kind of stuff, it would be like the Netflix for games.
0: Someone with a lot of cash I could just invest yeah. in games. That would be Mysterious interesting person too because out there.
2: Like, I feel like you would have to have started kind of like how Netflix has done, Hulu and all that kind of stuff is like you have to start as a platform that doesn't initially have that service. hmm Is it would have to be a marketplace where you, you know, whether it's buying games or whatever, um, and then once you've built that platform up enough, you can allow that kind of, you know, thing. Because I don't know if it would necessarily work of just like from the ground up. It's just like, oh yeah, we'll you know give you money and you know publicity and all that kind of stuff, you know, to make your dreams for gaming a reality. Well typically
1: those systems are owned and operated by existing major players in the gaming space so like your origins and your e shops and stuff like that. I know that Nintendo has brought down the walls pretty significantly in terms of like actual development like the SDK kit for making games on the Switch is like a I think it's a if it's not free it's very inexpensive relative to other Platforms And so they're kind of like, we want to do this for you. We want you to come do your thing. Like we're encouraging you. So I, I kind of see that trend starting, but I am hoping that it will continue in that direction because it has spurred some really awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, so maybe
2: it's like a manifestation that comes out of one or multiple of those types of marketplaces.
0: Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot harder for games to come to that middle ground than it is for the television industry or the movie industry because there's –
2: It's been around longer.
0: That – but when when it comes to the numbers too, I think so much more goes in the front end.
1: Okay, quick story on that. Yeah. First of all, yes, that is absolutely true, mm-hmm. and I have a personal story about how I tried to develop a game by myself and failed. So it was like two years ago, I didn't actually have a full-time job, but I was working. So I had this extra time that I didn't have before. I'm like, oh, what, what am I into? Oh, I'm into video games. Let me just try to make one and see how it goes. So I like, without a lot of support, which I think ultimately is why it really failed is because it's so hard to give yourself momentum and then, kind of like eating your own steam and then like run out of it and be like oh defeated but i did do the whole process of like i came up with a concept i fully fleshed it out as much as best as i knew how um i spent a certain amount of hours on it per day and i was consistent in that i got access to unity engine i started building something and then i was like holy crap this is the this can't be done by one person, is basically Mm -hmm. the conclusion Mm -hmm. I came to. I know other people have done that Stardew Valley and Minecraft, but it was a thing of like, it's a monumental task. So Mm -hmm. I think we we all say all of the critique that we say is because we love this and there is sympathy for game developers, just like the process Mm -hmm. and um, the incredible Level of complexity, not even from firsthand experience, but just like conceptually, it's like what a massive undertaking. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think, you know, people that are, you know, a part of, you know, developing games and stuff obviously understand that sort of stuff. But I think it's also unique, too, that, like, in turn, or at least how I see it, is game studios and that sort of stuff are constantly. Like you don't stay necessarily at one game studio for the rest of your life. Your studio is either getting like bought out, you know, by another larger um, entity, or is it, It's this constant like shifting uh, or morphing model of you know you create a studio, and you know that publish there's a publisher out there that will you know fund you that you come kind of under their umbrella. And then, if your game does well, you stay. Um, If your game doesn't do so well, then you get, you know, the people that made that game have tremendous talent. So they move to another, you know, studio. It's like there, it feels like there's this constant like building and then, you know, dispersing and then building and dispersing for like bringing a team together to develop like a particular type of game that doesn't have like a, that isn't with the intent of it being like a franchise or, you know, that sort of stuff.
0: Actually, I actually have an interesting example that relates to that. said I'd bring it back to Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs>
3: of course,
0: I'm sure we'll we'll link to this video. But they did such an interesting behind the scenes video um, about the development of that game and how it even came up. But what, that company, Guerrilla Games, they them and Sony did something really awesome. So if you know any of the history of Guerrilla Games, they made the Killzone games so and that sort of was a franchise for a while and it's sort of like that they have the formula they keep spinning it out they talk about sort of getting burned out from that right there's nothing they're really contributing it's new creatively to the franchise uh I believe they got the permission permission from Sony to develop like you know pitch them a new game so they went out to you know their employees they're like hey We're all gonna pitch ideas. Uh, And this video can explain it a lot better than I can. But at the end of the day, they moved completely from a shooter (laughs) to a completely new genre of game that has a really interesting story, really interesting um, gameplay that a lot of it, you know, they had to teach themselves or get people that knew uh, how to develop this type of game. And they put out an amazing product. Like this is an example of a large-ish uh, in company under a big developer that was given the time and money to uh, create something new and they did and I think they knocked it out of the park and now it seems like they're hiring on uh, quite a handful of new people probably for the sequel I can't wait um, <laughs> but uh, I want to see more stories like that where parent company had a lot of faith in what they could do.
1: If you're making me want to play the game, it's working, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as I do, even more than I did.
0: You should just watch this video, and then when you do, you'll want to play the game.
2: I've already watched tons of videos, and I've wanted to play the game for a long time now.
0: (laughs) It looks so good. (laughs) If I have to come over there with my PlayStation 4 in my arm, I will. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So... Wow, Uh, we can talk a lot about this and we've already hit our hour mark. So um, I think this calls for a part two.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have so much more to say that you may or may not like, but I'm gonna say it. Oh, I I wish you would.
0: I think a lot of the headbutting will come in part two. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, we talked a lot about the, um, the development of a game, but we really haven't talked about the outcome of these different development styles and how the, how game companies are making their money on the back end, Um and I think it's important to talk about.
1: So stay tuned because there will be a second part.
0: Hopefully what we've said has made you think about something new in the game industry. I'd love to have an actual game designer on here to talk about. Um, Their experience, because I'm sure it's very different from our sort of outside looking in experience.
1: So, if you're from that game studio, you definitely need to come sit and talk with us, because I was not privy at all to the Journey Sony relationship story thing.
0: You're playing Journey,
1: which yeah, you're playing Journey. Oh, that sounds like a command. Yes.
0: Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's like it's also you know our hope is too that this is all this is what we've started is like a very broad topic, but we definitely want to you know get in you know specifically to you know all the various like different aspects of you know the gaming world um so we'll be able to like di- to dive deeper into you know more focused aspects of gaming
0: definitely
1: yep and i'll talk about doom eternal I'll somehow squeeze it in there because I'm super psyched about it. Every episode. Yeah. It looks so awesome.
0: <laughs> you can guarantee if like one of the games we loves comes out, the next podcast will just be all about that game.
1: Lots of gushing. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you like that.
0: Well, we could go on and on and on, but we should probably stop it there for this week. So see you next time.